Welcome to Tanakh Daily, a congregation at Havas Torah initiative. Today, we are focusing on the 17th Perek of Shmuel Bet. Last Perek, having arrived in Yerushalayim, Avshalom turns to his advisors, Achitofel and Chushai, and he asks them what he should do now to secure his power. To which, Achitofel responds that Avshalom should lay with David's concubines. And we noted then that Hushai, even though he's this double agent and he wants to protect David, he doesn't protest. He doesn't try to dissuade Avshalom from doing this terrible and politically significant act because if he intervenes, it'll be clear to Avshalom that Hushai is still loyal to David. And Hushai will then be little help to David going forward. So he holds his peace. And Avshalom does follow Achitofel's advice. He very publicly follows that advice. And then we move on. Now, in our Perek, we're going to see the fruits of Hushai's strategic decision to bite his tongue. As Avshalom once again turns to his advisors for what he should do next, and he first turns to Achitofel, and Achitofel tells him that he should gather, he being actually Achitofel, should gather 12,000 men and quickly try and rout David and his whole entourage that are in the wilderness while they are weak and vulnerable an attempt to kill David, and he says specifically David, David alone, meaning the other people will disband, they'll be scared, they'll be in retreat, and with David there, vulnerable, we will kill him. And this advice is appealing to Avshalom, as well as all those who hear it, uh, but Avshalom first wants to run it by Hushai, who now uses that capital that he gained, the trust that he gained, by previously staying quiet and going along with Achitofel's advice, now he is able to uh, intervene on behalf of David, to help David. Hushai knows that if they follow Achitofel's advice, gather up a relatively small army and try to fight David, they may succeed because they can swiftly go, move quickly to attack David, could be caught off guard, maybe there won't be time to alert him, and that's too dangerous. And so Hushai now derails that plan. And he argues that, he, he says to Avshalom that you think you're just going to capture David, that he's just going to be among his entourage. He's too smart for that. He's going to be hiding somewhere. And so you're not going to capture him. Plus, David's men are great warriors and they're very angry right now. And so in short, they're very dangerous, right? Desperate, uh, angry men uh, with nothing to lose. Those are dangerous people. And so Hushai says, that Achitovel's idea is, is, is going to fail. There's going to be, they're, they're going to fight, they're going to be brave, there's going to be a loss, it's going to deflate Avshalom's momentum in this moment, and you're not going to capture David. So instead, Hushai says that Avshalom should gather a massive army from all of Israel to utterly crush David. And he suggests this knowing that it will take an enormous amount of time to get that done. Hearing that, Avshalom likes Hushai's plan. It's, a, it's the safer route. And, uh, and so he pursues that, that plan, that cautious plan, one that is, unbeknownst to Avshalom, doomed to fail. Why? Because Hushai now has time to go and tell David through the, this elaborate spiring to, to, to get out of town and to flee and to make sure that he doesn't fall prey to this massive attack. Hushai tells Sadok and Eviatar, the chief Kohanim, they send word through uh, their ring. It gets to a, a particular maidservant who then tell Yehonatan and Achimatz, who then in turn go to tell David. It's, it's a pretty epic moment in this sefer. Um, in the course, though, of this game of telephone, we have 
a story that should ring familiar. The two men, Yehonatan and Achimatz, they're spies, and they're in a, what I'll call an enemy city, because they're actually, it's, in, it's located in the tribe of Binyamin, which would not be loyal to David. Uh, the, the two men in this ring are spotted, and they must hide. They, they jump into a well, which then gets covered up by the woman who is living there, the woman who, in theory, has more ties to the people of Binyamin, so she's kind of like a traitor, covers it up and she lies to the people of the town that, that uh, you know, the, the, these, those, those men are not, in fact, on, uh, on her property. And so, of course, this is a very clear echo of, of Rachav and the story in the beginning of Sefer Yehoshua, the spies in the beginning of Sefer Yehoshua, which I'll note has already been a, a story that has echoed once before in the story of Michal, Shaul's daughter, hiding David, also covering over, uh, not David himself, but a, like a kind of decoy David. It's a, a story that has three different heroines essentially betraying their own people to greater or lesser extent. Uh, Rachav, the people of Yericho, Michal, her father, because she's saving David at her father's expense. And now here we have this woman also betraying the, the interests of the people of the town. So it's really fascinating. And, and then the Yehoshua story culminates with the, the spies bringing back the information, and le- that leads to Yehoshua and the nation crossing the Yardin. Here, too, the spies take this information. They go to David, who... Likewise, flees. This time, he crosses the Yardin as well, albeit in the opposite direction. The camera then moves after this uh, little um, sequence back to Yerushalayim, where Achitofel learns that Avshalom didn't follow his plan. And we are told that learning that he his plan was not the one that was ultimately executed, uh, Achitofel is very upset. For some reason, he packs up all of his things. He heads back to his hometown, leaves Yerushalayim. He gets his, uh, his affairs in order, and he promptly hangs himself. To say that this is unexpected and extreme would be to put it mildly. The simplest reading here from the, the most basic clues that we have is that he did this because his plan wasn't, wasn't accepted. And that, that would, I think, suggest to us that he's just some sort of megalomaniac. He couldn't stand the notion that his own plan wasn't the one that was chosen, that his own advice was dismissed. Uh, a position that gets maybe a little, a little support when you look at the way Achitofel suggested that Avshalom pursue David. He, he doesn't say that Avshalom should pursue him, that Avshalom should go and kill David. He says that I, Achitofel, will gather 12,000 men. I, Achitofel, will lead this charge. I, Achitofel, will kill David. He wanted to do these things. He wanted to be kind of the, the head. He wanted to be the center of this mission. So maybe you could see a kind of an ego at work here. Um, that's not how the Mepharshim read this. The Mepharshim Basically speak with one voice, Radak, Malbim, etc. Everyone says some variation of the following, that Achitofel saw that David either did escape or that he would escape, that this plan, that Hushai's plan was not going to work. And as a result, he knew that ultimately David would succeed, either that Hashem was with David or just uh, in, in simpler, more human terms, just that you know David would, would outsmart Avshalom and that ultimately David would rise back to power and the first thing he would do then would be to kill Achitofel, who was a traitor. And so Achitofel simply uh, does the deed himself out of, out of, I don't know, fear or however you want to, you know, kind of cross that T and dot that I, but you get the point. In which case we would say that Achitofel was, was 
was not just, it wasn't this like megalomaniac, it wasn't this person with this huge ego, he was a person who was incredibly perceptive. He saw the writing on the wall from the fact that this was the plan that they pursued or maybe from the fact that David escaped, he knew exactly where things were moving and Achitofel was a, a very insightful, a very perceptive person. He knew it was going to happen and so even though it seems to us like this very premature move to, to take this very dramatic act as a result of the Chushai's plan being pursued or David's escape, whatever the case may be, because, because precisely because Achitofel was so insightful, was, was so prescient, he understood where things were going and that's why he took his own life. It's, a, it's an interesting question, an interesting thing uh, to consider. The parak then ends by telling us that David crosses over the Yardin uh, with, his, with his group of people, with his entourage, and they are immediately helped by people in the Transjordan, uh, people who come and, and give them an abundance of food, seeing that David and his people are so tired and weak. And I just absolutely love the ending of this parak for two reasons. Firstly, the smaller reason is that the fact that they are helped as a result of because uh, David and his people are so tired confirms for us that really who was right between the Achitofel versus the Chushai plans? Achitofel was right. Achitofel was correct that right, Chushai said, they're, they're going to fight you. They're warriors. They're strong. It's not going to be so easy. And Achitofel said, no, they're weak. They're vulnerable. This is a, a confirmation that Achitofel was correct, that David really was very weak and very vulnerable, and that Chushai, by intervening in the way that he did, really did save the day. So, right, because they're getting the food because the people see that they are weak and vulnerable. So it's a confirmation that indeed they were weak and vulnerable. As I said, Chushai really did save the day. But more importantly, and this is what is so rich about the, the ending here, though it's a little bit subtle, who are the people who came to give David the food? We're told that it's Machir, Barzilai, and Shovi. Who are these people? So Machir, and we get more of their lineage. I'm just abridging it by just giving you their first names. So Machir... You'll remember that, maybe that name, because who, who was he? He was the one who gave uh, refuge to Mephibosheth, who was taking care of Mephibosheth after Shaul and Yonatan's death, and David comes to power. So uh, why does Machir help David? Because David showed such kindness to Mephibosheth. He's the one who uh, took Mephibosheth from Machir's home and brought him back to his family's land and, and allowed Mephibosheth to eat at his table. And so Machir sees that David is a person who was magnanimous. And now when David is vulnerable, now Machir is being magnanimous to him as well. Barzilai is also from Binyamin. He is perhaps even family to Shaul and is likewise expressing a certain debt of gratitude to David for maybe the way he treated Shaul or Yonatan or Mephibosheth. But again, David's righteousness is now paying dividends. And also Shovi. Who's Shovi? Shovi is the son of Nachash. Remember Nachash? I'm gonna poke. I'm gonna, you know, I'll I'll make peace with you if you gouge out one of your eyes. So uh, what happened? Nachash then passed away, and then his son Hanun, David had sent a, an entourage to him, uh, had sent a, a group of people to go and comfort him after Nachash had died, and he didn't accept the comforters. He was he was concerned that they may be spies, and so he he embarrassed them, etc. So David's kindness was returned not in kind, but it was rejected. And, uh, and he ended up paying the price for it. But ultimately, unlike Hanun, Shovi now finally kind of has a chance to say thank you to David. We see that Hanun, even though he was suspect, Shovi was appreciative. And now Shovi is stepping forward when David is, uh, is in, this, in this state and he is having his chance to now say a proper thank you. So David flees from Avshalom 
And who is there in his weakest moments? All of the people that David helped in their moments of weakness. All of the people who David's uh, ki- who, who David showed kindness to uh, when David was empowered and had the ability to do so. And so now, that kind of the, the kindnesses that David had shown to others forms this net that catches David as he himself, together with his entourage, are starving and weak in the wilderness. It's such a touching, beautiful moment, uh, even though it comes in the context of great pain and suffering. That's it for today. Chazak ve'ematz and happy learning.